You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 35. Well, hey there. Happy Monday. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Happy and Healthy. So how was your weekend? I actually had a bit of a meltdown on Friday. (laughs) Ironically, it was because I'd been so focused on creating my new course, Stopping Self-Sabotage, this past week that I neglected to follow my own advice. Those self-care habits that I'm always talking about and specifically the one about rest. So over the weekend, I gave myself permission to rest and actually to also spend some time outside, which thankfully the air quality is so much better now than it was just a week ago. So there was that one day last week when literally I had all my lights turned on inside because it was so dark outside that even the street lamps were on all day, right? We actually made them national news, the San Francisco Bay Area, where it looked like an apocalypse. So anyway, I made sure I got plenty of sleep this weekend. And well, it's a biggie for me because I tend to get so into what I'm doing that I actually don't want to stop until I'm done. So especially as I get closer and closer to the finish line. So for this new course, in case you're curious, I ask the question, if you know what not to do, but are doing it anyway, how are you ever going to achieve your weight loss goals? And frankly, this applies not just to weight loss. It's pretty much any goal we have in life right? But if we were to focus specifically on weight loss, then what not to do includes things like emotional eating, giving into our cravings, overeating, right? All these things. And actually to make it even clearer when I talk about self-sabotage, if we flip the question around, it still works. In other words, if you know what to do, but you aren't doing it, how are you going to achieve your goals? So now it shows up as pretty much all things procrastination. Anytime you say, I'll start tomorrow, or I'll work out tomorrow, or I'm too busy right now to work out, or who has time to work out, (laughs) right? So... As we're talking about the self-sabotaging behaviors, now is probably a good time for me to review the learning cycle. So this is what I teach to all my clients, right? And there are seven parts to it. So part one, we start with the situation. So I want you to think of this as if you were a reporter observing what's happening. 
So I want it to be neutral. It's just the facts. And these are essentially the inputs for our brain. All the sensations, right? What we see, smell, taste, hear, and touch. And you could add hunger and thirst to that list as well. So these are all essentially signals that are going to our brain, all right? Now we have the thoughts. So these are our beliefs and our values, and they serve as the frame or the filters for the information, for all that input. So this basically drives what we pay attention to, what we focus on, and what we ignore. And our brain is always looking for an existing mental model for all of this stuff to, to fit into. Right? Think of it as like a puzzle, right? Where do the, how do the pieces fit together? So from there, we move to step three. So we interpret what's happening and what it means to us and how it affects us. So if we interpret what's happening as something that increases the risk that our wants and needs aren't going to be met, then we trigger a negative emotion. So that's step four. So if we interpret it as something that we want to happen as a reward, we trigger a positive emotion. So we're still talking about step four. Step five then becomes the choices that we see that are available to us. Step six then is the actions that we take. And these are based on those choices that we saw, right? And they align with, as a matter of fact, that emotion that we created. And then step seven is the outcome the results that we get from the actions that we take. So mind you, the learning cycle is all about slowing things down. So if you had a tennis coach teaching you how to hit a forehand, right? We'd be talking about how do you hold the racket? Where do you put your feet? Is the racket face open or closed? When to make contact with the ball and how to follow through. So what I'm describing, just like that forehand, it all happens in a split second. We process everything really quickly. So when it comes to weight loss, what I want you to think about is, are you reacting or are you responding? When we react, we're basically taking action that's based on habit there's really not a lot of conscious thought. Whereas when we're responding, then you're making a considered conscious choice, right? You're looking at all the options available and then choosing. So here's where if we were to review all the diets and weight loss programs that are out there, you would see that the focus is on the last two steps. Right? Do this to get this. So they promise that if you do these things, follow their meal plan, do these exercises, whatever it is, if you take these actions, then you'll lose the 20 pounds, that outcome that you want. And so for some period of time, you'll do these things and more than likely you'll start seeing some results. 
have you noticed that we can't seem to do these things for very long? And then once we stop, it really doesn't take long before the number on the scale starts creeping up again. And then we really don't understand why we can't stay motivated. So this reminds me of something my friend Leo Ponce said to me a few years ago. We were talking about, like, you could go a day without eating. You could get away with a day without drinking water. But he looked at me and says, we can't go a day without rationalizing, right? So justifying some decision that we've made. And I really wanted to disagree with him, but I really couldn't. It's so true. So if you know what to do, but you don't do it, or you know what not to do and you still do it, do you see how these are all forms of self-sabotage, right? So again, not turning to food for comfort or giving into cravings. It's really the flip side of the same coin of not working out or not eating your fruits and vegetables, right? And this is really where so many of the diets and weight loss programs fall down because they don't address why you're overeating to begin with or why you've developed the habit of emotional eating and then how to stop it. So if you catch yourself doing this, the first thing I want you to realize is that whether you choose to do something or you choose to do nothing, it's still a choice. Right? Either way, it's still a choice. And then all of our choices have consequences. So for me, last week, I finished the course. Yay! <laughs> I also had a meltdown on Friday night, right? So here's the thing I'd like you to consider for your weight loss struggles. And if we focus specifically on something like emotional eating, or let's say giving into cravings or procrastination, are those things a cause or an effect. Or let me put it a different way. Is emotional eating the cause or the symptom? So if we talk about being sick, is emotional eating like having a cold or is it the symptom like having a cough? So here, I want you to understand that emotional eating is actually the symptom. It's the cough. So if I give you medicine for the symptom, right, a cough suppressant, you still have a cold and you still feel crappy. And as long as you have that cold, you will keep needing to take the cough suppressant. So this is what I mean. If you manage to refrain from emotional eating, will you feel better? And how long does it usually last? Think about that. See, most people think of suppressing emotional eating like suppressing the cough. As long as you still have the cold, that underlying cause or root cause is still there. So if you want to stop self-sabotaging behaviors like emotional eating and procrastination or not working out, we need to look further upstream. Yes? 
All right. So for those of you who know me, I came from the Deming Scholars Program at Fordham University, which was all about strategic operations management and process improvement. So one of the things we always talked about was finding the root causes. So when it comes to weight loss, if we go upstream, right? If you understand that it's emotions that drive the actions like overeating or emotional eating and the thoughts and the interpretations trigger the emotions that lead to the overeating, we need to look at the thoughts, all right? So understanding this cycle, this seven-step cycle is the game changer for changing behavior long-term. So if this is new for you, you may want to go back and listen to this part again, all right? But the key takeaway here is to understand that the root cause is our thoughts. The root cause for all of our behaviors and the actions that lead to those outcomes, whether we want them or not, is ultimately our thoughts. So what we want to learn now is how do we focus on thoughts that serve us. So when it comes to weight loss, a great place to start is with the question, why do you want to lose weight? We always talk about what is your why, your compelling reason. So if you're not driving right now, I would love for you to pause this podcast and write down your answers. Why do you want to lose weight? So welcome back. So what so many of us do when it comes to weight loss is we take action from a, from a place of fear. So for example, see if any of these reasons resonate with you. Okay. I'm pre-diabetic and my doctor says I need to lose some weight or I'm really tired of being overweight or I'm disgusted with my body, my clothes don't fit comfortably, and I don't want to have to go up a size, and, well, I don't like the way I look in pictures. So I'll tell you a story. Um, Quite a few years ago, I still remember when my dad told me that he thought I would look better if I lost five pounds, and I asked him why it mattered. And he said he wanted people to see our family as better. So clearly, I grew up with the message that I should care about how others were judging me. Right? So do you see how these reasons would trigger a negative emotion? This is what happens when your brain perceives that there's a risk that your wants and needs aren't going to be met. So if you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we have those basic physiological and safety needs like food, water, and shelter. And then we have social and ego needs like being loved and self-esteem. So if you don't like the way you look in pictures, or if you're disgusted with your body, or if you're worried about getting your dad's approval, right? Do you see how this relates to feeling attractive and our need to be loved. If we fear that we're not attractive enough, or in, or in my case, so many years ago, the fear of not getting my dad's approval, 
Do you see how all of these negative reasons are fear-based? And how motivating is that? Well, in the short term, it's definitely motivating because our brains are wired to avoid pain. But is it sustainable? And the answer is no. We know this, right? We want to avoid the pain, so we'll naturally do what we can to move away from it. But guess what? Once we've moved away from it, the motivation to act also goes away. So that's why in the short term, for example, the dopamine hit that we get from eating comfort food or the endorphins that we get from drinking alcohol, it's why it's so attractive. Because it initially dulls the pain, right? And then we may keep eating or drinking because now we feel good because of the reward. Do you see that? So do you see how feeling good is actually more motivating and sustainable? So if we go back to the reasons why you want to lose weight, right? The thoughts that you have about why you want to lose weight or why you are drawn to comfort food. Do you see where you need to start, right? The root cause again is the thoughts that trigger the emotions. So if feeling good is more motivating and sustainable, What if instead of a fear-based reason, we came from a place of love? So here's what I would suggest. Instead of stopping at the question, why do you want to lose weight? Go ahead and look at the reasons you wrote down and ask the follow-up question. Why is it important to you? Whatever that reason is. Why is it important to you for that to happen? And see what comes up for you. So ultimately, it could be, I want to feel better about myself. Or when I lose the weight, I'll feel more attractive. If the statements you have are in the future tense, then I want you to realize we are still triggering a fear-based emotion. It means that we're comparing ourselves to some other version that's more desirable. Which means that what we are now isn't already enough. Okay, so you're still actually beating yourself up. So how about, and try these reasons on for size. I deserve to feel good. Or I am worth taking care of. So if we come from a place of love, do you see how it's far more motivating, right? Because that mind-body connection is real. Your body hears and reacts to those thoughts that you have. So negative emotions trigger the release of stress hormones like cortisol, right? Like adrenaline. Positive emotions trigger serotonin and oxytocin, dopamine and endorphins. So this is... Ultimately, where a lot of us need to spend some time doing some work before we take action. Again, all of our actions are choices. So some are more conscious than others because, well, we rely on habits, right? So to help with weight loss, initially, we're going to want to make more conscious choices. 
to create some new habits. And if we make our decisions from a place of fear, we'll get one result. If we focus on love, we get something different. And this is why I focus so much time with my clients on creating a relationship with themselves where it's about loving themselves, right? Where they support themselves. And I may start off being their biggest cheerleader, but ultimately they become their own biggest cheerleader. Because this is really ultimately about you seeing your own value and the power that you have and really the power that you've always possessed. So now again, you're losing weight from a place of love and you're making choices from that place. And that's really what the abundance principle is all about, right? We understand that feeling good is more motivating and sustainable. So now the question is how to intentionally think the thoughts that create these positive feelings and then make our choices from this state. And that masterclass I was talking about at the beginning, the one about stopping self-sabotage, My goals for you in that would be that you walk away from the training knowing how to recognize self-sabotage, understanding why it happens, and exactly what to do to stay motivated and on track. All right, so I know for most people who are trying to lose weight, this whole concept may be a bit foreign. But think about it this way. Are you someone who actually values keeping your word, right? You're probably someone who keeps your word when it comes to others, but not to yourself. Now, what would happen if you were treating yourself with the love and respect you actually afford others? What would you be doing differently? So imagine how good it would feel to be coming from that place, right? You would be eating in a way that serves you, that nourishes your body. You might look at a plate of cookies and ask yourself, is this what my body really needs? Have I given it what it needs for today? And if you haven't, maybe you prioritize that first. And then if you're curious about how the cookie tastes, There's not a little voice telling you that you can't have it. Instead, it would be giving you full permission to try it. But then you can also stop when you've actually satiated that curiosity. So again, coming from a place of love, your instinct then is to create all those conditions that make it possible to feel good right? To create a state of well-being. So then if you're coming from that place, would it be hard to keep doing the things that you need to do? If you were feeling good and getting all this love and feeling amazing, it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? And that is what I really want for you. Alrighty. Look, I know for a lot of you who are really successful, right? We got to where we are now 
and accomplished a lot by being hard on ourselves, by having really high expectations. But if you're miserable now, if you can't truly enjoy all that you already have, why not try something different? Or as James Wedmore says all the time, what got you here won't get you there. Think about that one, all right? So if you'd like to learn more about the masterclass, go ahead and head over to the website, moxie-club.com slash masterclass. And I'm going to end today's podcast with a quote by the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just passed away on Friday. And I chose this quote because deep down inside, I believe this is what we all wish for. I would like to be remembered as someone who used whatever talent she had to do her work to the very best of her ability. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B.com. And sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember... Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.